0: is going on, welcome to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a Pitcherless podcast highlighting the romantic elements of baseball that make America's pastime so special. I'm Noah Scott, here with my co-host Brandon Riddle, bringing you some of the wildest stories behind baseball's most famous players, quotes, games, and more. Today here with us we have Pitcherless's own Anders Jorstad. Anders recently joined Pitcherless this past fall after spending the last six years writing over the Seattle Mariners blog, Lookout Landing. He's a going deep writer and will be hosting the Clubhouse Naptime podcast with Michael Ahedo starting up soon. You can also find Anders on Twitter at
1: Anders Jorstad. Anders, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Really an honor to be on here for one of your first ventures into the podcasting world. Oh, yeah. We are, we're very grateful to have you.
2: As, especially as a co host of Naptime, which I'm excited to hear.
0: Yeah. About. So, you know, Is if you ever are... feel sleepy,
1: you just plug in those, those headphones and, you know, give us a listen.
0: Um, that'll, that'll be super exciting, especially with, with a head out to, I'm, I'm looking forward to that.
1: No, so... and, and don't let the name fool you. It's not actually like supposed to put you to sleep. Um, hopefully it won't, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just like Bob, you Lofi. lo-fi like, oh yeah, kind of get into yeah. it and fall
1: asleep that way. Yeah. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, cool. Um, so just a quick rundown of what we're going to be doing on our podcast today. Uh, first, we're going to talk to our guest Anders about some of his experiences in the minor leagues. Then we're going to dive into some weird baseball names. Uh, We're going into a segment we're calling The Pickle Jar that you're going to hear a little bit more about in a second. And then capping it all off with a story about Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry and the moon. Interesting. To the moon. (laughs) Yeah, to the moon. Um, So just to kick things off, Andrews, you have experience on
1: Lookout Landing. My question is, who is your all-time favorite Mariner? Wow, that is a great question. And I have a kind of unconventional answer because I feel like people expect you to say Ken Griffey Jr. or Ichiro or Felix Hernandez. Brandon League, right? Oh, my gosh. I actually really like Brandon League. He was a pretty solid closer there. BLT, Brandon League time is what they would say. (laughs) Um, No, my favorite Mariner of all time is Franklin Gutierrez, who was there uh, starting in 2009. Uh, I believe he last played in 2015 or 2016. Just could never stay healthy, but just this really phenomenal electric player, both on the field, like in terms of his defense and in his later seasons, especially with the bat. Um, So he was just a really fun guy to watch when he could stay healthy. And I wish he had been able to stay healthy a little bit more than he did. That's that's a good one. I haven't heard his name in quite a while. I don't think since since
0: he was. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was going to say, I remember he was a uh, an MLB the show God a couple couple years back. But uh, that's a good one. I think. Shoot, honestly, I think mine's probably probably Randy Johnson or no, oh, yeah. it's Ichiro. It's got to be Ichiro. That's that's a that's a really basic choice. But how do you not love Ichiro, Brandon? Who do you got?
2: Uh, well, you said Randy Johnson, and as an Arizona fan, of course, it's the big unit. Um, what I one thing I, I love about the Ichiro is years ago I went to a spring training practice uh, in Arizona. You just walk up to the practice fields and want to do intramural scrimmages, and whenever Ichi showed up, like the entire team would just go Ichi, 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 and it made me happy. <laughs> So now whenever I see Ichiro, I think, that's Ichi.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised. This was a recent thing that I learned that the players call him that. Yeah, that
2: was really cool. And that's a great name, too, Ichi. I'm in.
0: I think think ever since Ichiro retired, there's definitely just been a a hole in baseball that that we haven't been able to fill since. He he was just a -a one-of-a-kind player.
1: He's the Beyonce of baseball where he only goes by his first name and
0: nobody ever questions him. Nice. That's that's a great comparison <laughs> <The> in <option laughs> each row. Wow. All right. Um, cool. So Anders, uh, just let's go a little bit more into uh, your background in baseball. Now, I know a little bit uh, you said you played in the minors.
1: Can you expand on that? i did that a not play bit? in the minors. Let oh, us didn't let play us know. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was uh, skillful <laughs> enough to get past JV in middle school. But um, no, I was a broadcaster for the Lynchburg Hillcats last year. Play by play. I was their assistant broadcaster. Um, for the 2020 season, I was hired as a lead voice for the Frederick Keys, um, and then they were disaffiliated from minor league baseball, and so I decided to kind of hone my craft uh, in terms of writing instead, and here I am. Very, and that very was a chance cool. to
2: become an announcer for a major league team, too. That's, that's a pain. I'm well, to hear that.
1: It's, it's a little bit of a tougher climb than most people think, but yes. Oh, I should bad. also mention that Lynchburg is a Cleveland affiliate, Frederick. Is a Orioles affiliate. Both of them high A in the Carolina League. Gotcha. Awesome. That's, that's still that's still cool.
0: That's that's super cool. I've I've always uh, really really enjoyed just the art of of calling a baseball game. Yeah. Um, do you have any any like specific stories or, or anything from those days that
1: really stick out to you? So, I only just I only did the one season because I didn't get to do my season in Frederick in 2020, but in 2019 um there's just a lot of stuff that happens over the course of a minor league season because you're there literally all day every day i mean it's it's your entire life it sucks up six months of your life and so there's all sorts of things that can happen over the course of a season and people just try to get away to kind of spice things up a little bit to try to drown out the monotony of sorts um the the hillcats were an unusual team in that they had a professional mascot um, a lot of minor league teams will just have like an intern be the mascot, or a bunch of interns will take turns, and you know they draw they draw sticks to to see who's got mascot duty for the day. Lynchburg had hired somebody to be the mascot uh, as a full time job for the what entire season.
0: What was the season.
1: mascot? Uh, his name was Southpaw. He's a, a okay. green cat, big green cat, um, that and. Makes sense. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the player, Anthony Gose. He was a outfielder for the Blue Jays and the Tigers in the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. Um, And fairly recently, he kind of ditched playing in the outfield because he wasn't getting any contracts. And he decided to take his talents back to the mound where he was pretty successful in high school and could throw in the upper 90s. So he kind of toiled around in the in the Rangers system for a couple of years and then Cleveland signed him. And he ended up back in Lynchburg for a couple of months. And now you you would think a lot of players, former major leaguers, you know, would be like, Oh, I can't believe I'm back down here in the minors, but he was totally cool. He was just one of the guys. It was great to have him because he could bring that experience and he could talk to guys about his time in the big leagues, but he wasn't the type of guy who like sucked up all the energy in the room. When he walked in, you know, you, he wasn't the kind of guy where you look at him and you know, Oh, that's a former big leaguer. (laughs) Um, and this story, I think, kind of encapsulates that. It was a, it was an August afternoon, and one of the players said to Ghost, had, said, "Hey, I'll give you fifty bucks if you go dress up as the mascot." And Ghost was like, "All right, um, let me go talk to the manager." And the manager was like, "Okay, you can do pregame, uh, the pregame dance that the mascot does. You can take a few pictures with kids, um, and that's about it." And he's like, okay, I'll take it. And so sure enough, he comes trotting out. He, and of course, nobody knows this except for the players and you know, a couple of us up in the press box that this was not a regular professional mascot guy in the costume. But he ran out, he did a little pregame um, dance and he did a really, really good job. I mean, he brought out the moves. He was like totally into it, which you kind of have to be if you're going to do this and take the bet. Um, and he just brought out these awesome dance moves and like, you know, it was great because nobody knew That anything was a miss, except for maybe the season ticket holders who were like, there's some different moves this guy's got than, you know, the the usual guy has, Um, (laughs) you know, took some pictures with kids and it was, you know, totally normal. And then by the time game time was happening, he was in the dugout and he was getting ready to play, but just a really kind of funny thing that happened. And one of those things, that really only is going to happen in the minors.
2: Could you imagine like Mookie Betts dressing up as a mascot and running out doing things
0: and <laughs> rolling his ankle? I'm sure <laughs> know, well, that's honestly, a big concern. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Out of everyone though, Mookie Betts would probably be just. Incredibly gifted at being a, a mascot, though he <laughs> he's, he's an amazing player at every other sport he does. Why wouldn't he be an amazing mascot too? That's that's really cool. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing. You don't. That, don't this is something that nobody
1: has ever heard before. You guys are getting an exclusive. Story. Wow, exclusive an here.
0: Exclusive story on short hops and tall tales. The quality you get in this podcast. Tune in yeah. next time. So, uh, just moving forward, it looks like Brandon. Uh, time for a little bit of a trivia question. Take it away. <laughs>
2: Yeah, random trivia for both of you. In ounces, what is the weight of a dry Major League Baseball?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so no I'm idea. mapping this out of my head. Right. Like um, how many ounces th- to a pound? I think the, it's the, 16, the right? I'm pretty sure it's 16. That sounds So right. I'm going to go with 28.
2: 28. So a little more than the pound for yes. a baseball? Okay.
1: Ooh, maybe that's a little heavy. No, what
0: What'd you got? I'm like I'm looking around my desk right now trying to find I know I've got <laughs> like like baseballs over here somewhere. Um I'm not sure what you went with twenty eight. I'm gonna go with just just completely based on Anders's approximate approximation. I'm gonna go with uh twenty four.
1: It's gotta be less than what I said. So
0: so just under a pound and a half or I don't think
1: it's a whole pound,
0: but I could be very wrong. <laughs> well,
2: you're both going to feel kind of bad. According to Major League Baseball handbooks, the average weight of a dry baseball is 5.2 ounces. <laughs> no
1: wow. Way. I can't wow. imagine
2: throwing something that's like two pounds, a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> that's, that's a death ball coming your way.
1: This is like when when you had like Bill Gates guess how much like a, a bunch of bananas is. like yeah. I feel like that right now. I have absolutely no idea.
0: <laughs> how much could a glass of milk cost? $10? <laughs> Man. Come on, Brandon, you're, you're, you're not supposed to expose us. We're the hosts. We got <laughs> to
2: I'll uh, be exposed later. Don't you worry about that. We got another one. Oh, you can bet
0: I have, I have my trivia question coming up later. Yeah, so um, with that, we're going to transition into what we like to call the name game here. Um, so we're going to follow that up with another question. So this segment goes into discovering some of the wackiest players in baseball history and some of the, uh, the stories behind their nicknames. But first, though, I'm going to test both Brandon and Anders uh, with the pickoff round question. So I'm going to read to you four baseball names and you've got to select which one is not made up. So three of these are fake. One of them's real. OK, so, Anders, your options are Scummy Calloway. I'm going to try and not give it up by laughing at the, the names that I came up with. But you've got Scummy Callaway, Stitches Seymour, Woody Wood, and Pretzel pezulo what are your thoughts?
1: I'm gonna say that the second one is real.
0: Stitches Seymour, interesting. Now I'm gonna let Brandon take a guess too, because he just embarrassed me on the baseball question. I want to get him back here.
2: Now, any good nickname worth the weight and salt has alliteration to it. So first, first leather, first uh, first and last name. Uh, so that means the only one that does not follow to that rule is Scummy Calloway, and that is what I'm
0: going with wow you're both wrong it's <laughs> that was a good guess that was a good guess uh it was actually pretzel pizzulo now wow. he was actually born john pizzulo and his daughter said that his nickname actually came from his unusual pitching style you can kind of see it he's un- unwinding like a big pretzel uh, and essentially that's because he was one of the first real tall pitchers and his motion was huge what year did he what was he in then named like pretzel So, yeah, name like pretzel, it has to be uh, early on in baseball, right? So he pitched in the 30s, in the 1930s, and actually retired in 1941. He had a solid pitching career as a prospect, never really got beyond that to make the next step. So that was our first wacky baseball name. Now I'm going to give you another one. All right. And this time I'm going to read off the nickname and I want you to come up with a backstory as to how you think they possibly came upon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the player that we're going to go over in a little more depth is Lil Stoner. So, Anders, I'm going to give you a a little break, and I'm going to put Brandon on the hot seat. Brandon, where do you think he came up
1: with Lil Stoner?
2: In Colorado. Um, So (laughs)
1: Lil Stoner.
0: Got
2: it out of
1: (laughs) the way. Washington State, just so you know.
2: True. I I do want to go with the obvious, but what I think is that his father was a Mason guy. Masonry. I don't know what that word is because I'll feel bad about it later. And he grew up around stone his whole life, and it just came naturally to him. Let's just call him a little stoner, because his dad's a big stoner. I,
0: sure.
2: appreciate, I appreciate
0: the creativity
1: there. Anders, what do you got? I was going to go kind of literally, too, so don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> I was going to say that someone saw him trying to throw against a wall. I'm going to say he was a pitcher. And there were no baseballs around, so he just grabbed the closest thing he could find, and it was a little stone. And he threw it against the wall.
0: I like it. I like it. Those are those are pretty good, uh, pretty good answers. And we'll we'll find out the uh, the true story behind his nickname in just a second here. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) his full name honestly is amazing too it's it's this long so his name is ulysses simpson grant stoner named after the president and he actually was the 17th (laughs) of 18 siblings uh born he was born in 1899 so that was i guess in vogue then having 18 children and i guess most of his brothers were actually named after prominent figures in u.s history so he also had a brother named named theodore roosevelt Benjamin Franklin, uh, Washington Irving.
2: I want to point out that he's actually named after two presents Ulysses and Lisa Simpson. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yes. Of course. How could
0: I forget? How could I forget? And I, I guess my question is how he didn't end up with the nickname president or something, right? I feel like that would be very, very apt. Too yeah. Much. <laughs> yeah. But he ended up getting stuck with Lil because his little sister actually just couldn't pronounce Ulysses, which I get it. It's understandable. But I can't imagine the poor fortune that you would have to have to end up being like 35 years old and still have your, your teammates and, and everyone calling you Will. I, I feel like that that had to do something for him. He wasn't even particularly physically small either. If his childhood wasn't enough, when he was a toddler, his brother, William McKinley, actually took <laughs> a hatchet to a uh, poor little stoner's finger when he was a toddler. <laughs> so I guess his brother was out one day chopping wood and young Lil stoner uh, just waddled up to him and allegedly told his brother, quote unquote, chop my finger off Matt, which You know, maybe that was the only entertainment they had back then, (laughs) right? Like, it's, I guess, the spiritual precedent to Trevor Bauer slicing his finger open with a drone years later, right? (laughs) I mean, at that point, there's like
2: 200 fingers between all the children, so they're not going to miss one of them. (laughs)
0: Wow, this has gotten this has taken a turn here on the Short <laughs> hospital Tall Tales podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so if that weren't weren't just absolutely wild that his his brother just hacked at his finger, it actually stayed attached and it it, it actually reattached itself. Uh, but his hand was permanently a little crooked. Now he started uh, playing baseball. Uh, actually, shut out a men's team when he was only thirteen. I was really right, strong...
1: that he was a pitcher. You were, you were.
0: That, that was <laughs> great. He actually he had a sharp curveball, right? And now I wish I think as writers we should all go back to referring to to pitch mixes like this. They said he had a sharp curveball and a speedy fast one, which I think you don't really get anymore today. Referring to like Jacob Degrom's fastball, right? I I love how how simple Uh, that's a speedy fast one there, folks. Yeah, they called him a smokeball artist. But similar to another pitcher, Mordecai three finger Brown, a lot of people attributed the unique movement and spin on his pitches to just having his crooked finger. So one quick trick to increase spin rate, driveline hates it, (laughs) (laughs) but he ended up leaving home at 16 and had a, a bit of a career with the Detroit Tigers and seemingly was always one of those players that was just on the cusp of breaking out, inconsistent, had really good stuff. He finished with a 10 and 13 career record, 398 ERA, pretty solid major league career, um, but but nothing overly remarkable. Outside of that excellent nickname. Now, one last note on Lil Stoner here before we we leave him. Towards the end of his career, he became known around the league for his baking abilities when he actually, he posed in a newspaper with a three-tiered orange sponge cake that he made for someone's birthday. So they were calling him a culinary artist around the world. One of his nicknames was also the Bowie Baker from his days working at a bakery in Fort Worth. So my question is, what current player do you think is the best baker out there? And you can't say Mookie Betts, because I feel like he's starting to be a cop out answer to which player is good at X activity.
1: I'm I gotta think about it.
0: Wasn't it
2: uh, John Baker a catcher that that could go <laughs> for the Rangers? There Let's you go. Can I still say that?
0: Yeah, literal. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea Baker, the knuckleball artist from a couple of years back. Right. Um I'd love to I'd love see. to e- to eat with like Brewstar Gradderall. I feel like he's, he's <laughs> he because he his power's so so effortless on the mound. I feel, like I, I feel that
2: honestly that Zach grinky is a scary good cook. I was gonna say Granky. That's a good pick. <laughs> when when in doubt, go with Granky. Uh,
0: last last note that I've turned up on on Will Stoner was that post-retirement, after he, you know he's continuing to cook, he was actually a known botanist. Uh, he specialized in growing irises and actually created a pink iris hybrid. Traveled across the country to judge flower shows, apparently. So that's a. Heck You're going to ask me chapter, for best right?
1: botanist, and I'm going to say Nelson Cruz. <laughs>
0: I wasn't, but I'm a little. I'm a little interested into what the reasoning is behind.
1: That. I mean, this man has been a DH and he's been phenomenal at it for like the last like eight years, right? Well, he's not fielding. He's got to be doing something else if he's not fielding during that time. I'm thinking that he's just tending to his plants,
0: hanging out with the the groundskeeping crew. I like yeah. that.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Or maybe cool. he's tending to his yeast. You know, Maybe he's a good baker, too. We don't know. He's just got a jar of sourdough above his locker. Just, just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> hanging out, culturing. This yeah. is the
1: kind of stuff that you don't get from baseball anymore because everybody is a professional, whereas back in the 19th century, everyone was, you know – working on the farm or mining coal and then just hitting the ball fields in the afternoon. In the off
0: season, right? Yeah. yeah like nobody, be... <laughs> well, well, the season's over. Yeah. I guess I'll go back to the, the coal miner. I can't imagine like Mike Trout going and picking up a job, you know, in the As off season. As a weatherman, obviously. <laughs> obviously, clearly, clearly. So, uh, with that, that closes the book on Lil Stoner. And I believe it's time to move into our next section, the pickle jar. So Brandon, what, what is the pickle jar? Oh, the pickle jar! Uh,
2: This is a segment where we ask a non-baseball fan what a baseball term means. I love it. So, for example, this week I called up my good friend Courtney, and I asked her what is a Texas leaguer. (laughs) Now, of course, yeah, just out of the baseball fans, of course. Hey, hey, Courtney, what's up? I know, I know, it's your lunchtime, but what's a Texas leaguer? Is that a piece of toast? No. Um so of course we know a Texas leaguer as a little weak hit between the infield and the outfield that falls in for the base hit. Excellent. But Courtney did not know that. She asked or she said rather um well it's somebody that plays in Texas, right? Like a major leaguer, a Texas leaguer okay. that makes complete
0: sense. And I think uh no yes, somebody else too. I did. I asked my buddy, Javon, and I, I think that that is the most logical form of reasoning, if you're not familiar with baseball, because baseball lingo is just absolutely silly. So yeah, he said someone that plays in the quote, Texas league of baseball, or is a minor league player, which I thought was was a pretty solid guess. Yeah. So, uh, again, now,
2: Texas leaguer makes sense. Exactly.
0: Now, how do you think that came around the the term Texas leaguer? Because I personally have no clue because it seems very,
1: just a very random I'm going to guess that there was some year in the 19th century, as this always seems to be, where the Texas league just did not have any good hitters. And it was just a a pitching dominating league at the time. And so you had pitchers that were just shutting out teams left, right, and central. And the only way any batter was ever going to get on base was with these weak little blue pits. And you just never saw anything more than that because the pitchers were so good.
2: You came about as correct as you possibly could have gotten. That was amazing. So really? it was in the it was in the 19th century. It was 1892. In fact, we have an exact day where Texas League became a thing. <clears throat> it was 1892, May 21st. Center fielder for a Texas League minor league team, Ollie Pickering, hit seven singles in one game, a record that still stands in Texas minor league baseball. However. Each of those hits was a weak hit that fell between the infield and the outfield, hence that became known as a Texas leaguer, especially because later on, Ollie Pickering, this will be trivia later on, became the first ever uh, at-bat for the American League. Wow. (laughs) So his fame went with him to the major
0: leagues. Andrews, you were really spot on there. That was a really yeah, that good was amazing. Guy. That was incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't that close, but I, I also didn't know you guys were going to have the answer. I thought this was pure pure speculation. That's why I went very specifically. Oh, it. we're
2: all just come, yeah, yeah. Here at <laughs> Short Hops and Tall Tales, we do our due diligence on research.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, who ben do you Fred. think the best the the best Texas League hitter is today? I'm going to go with like probably David oh. Fletcher, a, a soft hitting like infielder. Ooh, I feel like he's always blooping hits in.
2: Yeah, it's it's got to be one of those good utility baseball players that's always get on base somehow.
1: Yeah, like a David Eckstein type of guy. I was just yeah. thinking that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he oh, the Texas I'm not,
2: yeah, I'm not.
1: I'm trying to think of like who is that player today, and I just don't really know the answer because everybody's got pop these days, right? Like, True. The Juan Pierre's of the world are are gone. Yeah. Uh, each
2: row,
0: we hardly knew ye.
1: D Gordon just uh, just uh, played a little bit last year, but you
0: know that's true. D Gordon would be a, be a solid pick. I feel like does maybe like Jose Iglesias, yeah, David Fletcher, someone who really just sprays the ball around, and that kind of moves us on to our second pop up trivia question. Okay, so this one's mine. So so get ready. So from 2005 to 2010, Albert Pujols led all of MLB in total wins above replacement with 47.4. Who had the second highest war total during this period? I also have hints if you need a hint too. So, so I,
2: I've had I've had some time to think about this. And I okay, think, so you, then you um, go. Yeah, I feel I'm wrong, but for the sake of conversations, I'm going to say it anyway. He only played for, I think, one to two years from 2005-2010, but I'm pretty sure Barry Bonds still put up a good amount of war. So just as a
0: Dark Horse candidate, let's go with Bonds, even though it's got to be wrong interesting interesting that is incorrect but i, I see where your head's at
1: <laughs> okay i'm also going to go kind of out of the box of sorts i feel like the answer is a pitcher so i'm going ooh, to say cc C. sabathia
0: that is very out of the box it's not the correct answer i love where i love how you're thinking though <laughs> um do we want one more hint or i can just oh, reveal man. it right now
1: no, give us one more. I want another okay, shot. Okay.
0: So I'll give you the number three, uh, the number three total, and that was Alex Rodriguez. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So who was number two? So you've got from 0- 05 Sweet. to 2010. I Gosh, I'm going to I'm trying to remember
1: who was really good. Like, I feel like most of the really good players were first basemen, but they weren't as good as Pujols. So like, I can remember Prince Fielder and Ryan Howard were really good mm-hmm. at this time. Yeah. But I don't think they were good enough to be war leaders. They also weren't gold glovers like Pujols was. But, um, and this was right before Miguel Cabrera was really, really <sighs> good.
2: Okay.
0: Dark horse. David Wright. That is a great dark horse. That's incorrect. Wow. I can just, I can ah. just give the answer. It's actually Chase Utley with forty six ah, or forty three point six A lot of people forget how absolutely dominant Chase Utley was uh, on a rate basis uh, hitting. I actually, in the, in the I 2000s. actually just
1: forgot Chase Utley to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Willfully <Fair enough>.
1: or? <laughs> no, no, no. I have nothing against the guy, but I, you know, I Seattle's a long way from Philadelphia.
0: Very true. Very true. I I just it just popped back in my head with Pedroia retiring a couple days ago around that that same level of Pedroia Mm -hmm. Utley. You've got Kinsler in there. Um, All right. So moving on into our final segment here tonight. Brandon, take us away with uh, something about Gaylord Perry and the moon. Gaylord Perry and
2: the moon. So this has to be one of my favorite baseball stories, also being the space person I am. So the legend goes that sometime in 1963, um, the manager, Alvin Dark, uh, manager of the San Francisco Giants, was talking to a beat writer named Harry Jupiter, which is a great last name. And they were watching Gaylord Perry, who's a pitcher, take batting practice. And depending on who you ask, he was either flailing and missing every ball or hitting a couple of balls beyond the fence for home runs. I'm not sure which was actually real. Uh, but either way, Harry Jupiter leans over to Alvin and says, you know, I bet one of these days he's going to hit a home run. He's looking pretty sharp up there for you. And Alvin Dark immediately goes, mark my words. They will land a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry hits a home run. And this was not even a year after John F. Kennedy went. We choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it is hard. So it was what a great
0: impression, hard. by the way.
2: Oh, I've done that so many times. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> because it is hard. Yeah, so it, it was still fresh in everyone's mind, so that was kind of a common saying. So did it actually happen? Was it a common saying? Who knows? But, fast forward to 1969. July 20th, 1969, which is the day Apollo 11 landed on the moon. Um, it's a day game in San Francisco, so as a matter of fact, with the Gaylord pitching. Okay, And to this point, up to 500 at-bats, no home runs, a couple of hits, and only four doubles. He's not a great hitting pitcher so on july 20th in san francisco at candlestick park they announced in the top of the third inning that apollo 11 has landed on the moon and the crowd crowd goes crazy we got to the moon we beat the soviets everyone's pumped up about it and then the game continues after that brief pause and then it's the bottom of the third inning now gaylord perry is up third the first two patterns go down easy because i'm sure everyone else is thinking about the moon which is what just happened heck yeah But 34 minutes after they land on the moon, Gaylord Perry grooves a high fastball 400 feet to dead center and gets himself a home run, Wow! thus completing the prophecy.
1: (laughs) I thought you were going to end this story by just like, no, he's struck out. out. (laughs) He flew out
2: to left field. (laughs) No, and the, the crazy thing is that that wasn't the only connection he has to the space program either. He kept going with his bat specifically. Uh, so, for example, the very first time he got an extra base hit is when Valentina Tereshkova, who's the first woman to go into space, uh, went to space that exact same day. Uh, and then every year Apollo launched to go to the moon, Galo hit a home run. 69 through 72, each time he went to the moon, he got a home run. And 1973, after Apollo missions, no home run.
0: <laughs> so I guess my 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 takeaway from this is that you need to keep an eye on NASA's launch schedule with Gaylord uh, Perry, yeah, to, to read into it for for fantasy baseball insights. I'll keep right? that, I'll keep
1: that uh, in mind when I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to draft Gaylord Perry or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, in 2020, he, he, yeah, he's a spry
2: <laughs> 87 year old right now. I'm sure you can get it. Um, but there's just two two last things I want to mention about Gaylord as well. In 1979, that's the year Skylab, which was America's first space station, made of a Saturn V, which is the rocket for Apollo missions, deorbited Earth and, and burned up. When that happened. He hit a home run. And then in 1981, um, NASA was working on this new spaceship uh, to kind of replace the big rockets, the space shuttle. And so the space shuttle finally got to orbit in 1981.
0: He hit a home run. Wow. <laughs> Welcome See, this to is, the
2: weird connection.
0: This is what you would miss out on if we added the DH to both leagues, obviously. Oh, don't get it. me started on that. <laughs> once in a, oh, once in, a oh, in, in, speaking, in Speaking
2: of which, the year the DH. Um, you know, became apparent in the American League, we
0: stopped going to the moon. So, wow. yeah,
2: I do blame the DH for wow. um, uh-huh. Is
0: Major League Baseball killing space travel next That's time? That's my next article. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, OK, so so just a couple questions here before we before we wrap up. So, Brandon, you're something of our space guy here at Pitcher right? What's what's like your background in space a little bit before I get into my question? Oh, man.
2: Um, So I worked in the planetarium for a number of years talking about space all day, which is wonderful. Uh, And then I went to go work with the Space Launch System, which is the rocket that was just tested a couple weeks ago now, at least here in February. I worked inside that rocket. And then I got to work with astronauts as
0: well, helping to write speeches for them. So I I love my space. (laughs) So that's way cooler than anything that I've ever done in my life. Um, And you sound qualified to answer my next question, which is, how many home runs would Joey Gallo hit on the moon? Anders feel free to weigh in with Let's go with Anders first. Just 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 what what how do you, how many do you, are we thinking here?
1: All right, I've got a I've got a hot take here. Okay. Zero, cuz nobody would throw him a pitch. Well, no one would throw a pitch to Ooh. hit him on the moon.
0: The Barry Bonds treatment. I like. Yeah, that. Okay,
2: so the moon has one-fifth the gravity of the earth. Has <laughs> no, no resistance, the- there is no curveball. Every pitch is going to be flat, and he's going to have time to watch to come at him so he can step out and take a swing. Um, I think it was estimated that the one golf ball that was hit on the moon went like 1.5 miles. Um, so Joey Gallo could probably chunk a baseball out of at least three miles on the moon.
1: <laughs> if wow. we were on the moon, though, they would have to have like an 80-man outfield, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> if, you're playing over and, the and,
2: line instead of a ground uh, ground rule double, you have a crater rule double. Oh, we lost it in another crater, boys. You'd have <laughs> to make the bases like two miles apart. Joey Gallo hopping slowly ninety feet, yeah. <laughs> but you could you could call in your relievers from
0: the bullpen on a on a rover. So that's that's worth. <laughs> that's
2: that would be super cool. Bring back the rovers bu- yeah. rover bullpens.
0: <laughs> and so my last question here is, I guess on the same the same track, which which planet would be the most pitcher friendly?
2: I mean, that's got to be Earth. I'll be real. Besides Earth. Besides Earth. That's cheating. Like Jupiter, Uh, right?
1: Because they can't even stand. Like, the batters don't even have the ability to stand. Like, they can't get any torque on their swing.
2: (laughs) The the best planet will, if they could survive on the surface, would be Venus. They have such thick air, those curveballs would
0: just snap. Oh, that's also true. Yeah, with the acid rain.
2: The acid rain, to be fair, does evaporate before we get to the surface. (laughs) see so only outfielders have to worry about that
0: you come to the podcast for baseball you learn with with, or you leave with a greater knowledge of of the cosmos what more could you ask for right well that just about does it here for us tonight anders thank you so much for coming on our show this was a great time brandon
1: noah thank you so much for having me guys
0: (laughs) of course good time So you can find Anders on Twitter at anders Dorstad and be sure to check out his podcast Clubhouse Nap Time soon to launch on the PL Podcast Network. Now, Anders, do you want to just give us a, a couple couple sentences about what that podcast is? Yeah, about? I feel like
1: I should probably just kind of talk about that a little bit and not leave them hanging. It's going to be me and Mr. Michael Ahedo who's been at Pitchulist now for a couple of years, and we're just going to be breaking down the latest news analysis. Um, big events that happen in baseball and kind of give you an analytical spin on those things. Just break down some trends as well. You know, what are we seeing recently? What's happening more, what's happening less. Um, and so that's kind of the angle we're going for. Excellent. awesome.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to checking it
1: out. Do you have a Twitter for it? Uh, yes. It'll be at clubhouse nap pod on Twitter.
0: Perfect. So be sure to follow Anders and Michael's podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. As far as we're going here at Short Hops and Tall Tales, be sure to follow us on Twitter at shorthopspl. Uh, you can find Brandon at bd riddle and myself at Noah Six. Also, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you I next time.
1: If they don't win, it's a shame, for it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game.